Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you and giving you specific takeaway, all that way your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into everything, I would love to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, this past week has been quite hectic. In good ways, for sure, uh, but hectic and, let's say, somewhat irregular for me. Uh, a lot of, <clears throat> you know, things outside of the house and going places and stuff of that nature. And so, because of that, you know, I have to be very judicious with my time and what I allocated in terms of doing what and where, right? In order to get everything done, uh, work on stuff that I wanted to work on, uh, as well as obviously the responsibilities of the day-to-day, -day, right? But as far as my my stuff, right, let's, let's begin there. So the major but short-term project is my website revamp and i've been posting episodes about that that showcases my tutorials of how i'm approaching this but the goal is to update my website which i haven't done in a number of years you know just because uh things have changed for me right you know now i've made films i've written books and uh, expanded kind of who i am and so i want the website to reflect that so, overall, I finished up the outline for the entire website and, you know, translated that onto WordPress in a very elementary and crude way. And now I'm working with a developer uh, to address the things that I cannot address myself, right? And in that way, it expedites the process. It's much more cost-effective. And I'm really excited about the progress that I'm making. And as I shared, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing various episodes uh, to highlight the actual lessons and how I'm doing it. So you can check those out. Also on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash philsvitek, I'm offering kind of, um, ex kind of exclusive looks at each of the phases as far as the results, right? So with the episodes that I post, I'm kind of, doing it from an introduction standpoint, getting you started of each phase. But, you know, you don't necessarily get to see the full results. You kind of just glimpse at it, right? Whereas on my Patreon page, you can kind of access those things there and really see, you know, how it's all coming together and really look under the hood, if you will, yourself. So if that's of interest, um, that's there along with other stuff and other perks, but the main one being that it's, there's a monthly group coaching session. So for only $10 a month, you can sign up for that. Um, and it, and it's, yeah, it's a great way to kind of just see different uh, behind the scenes stuff as well. Then the other thing that I've been working on is continuing to polish the outline for my latest film project, which is an animated fantasy. And as I near the end of the story in terms of the outline it becomes harder and harder and therefore slower and slower because i've got to figure out how it all 
fits and, and works together. And the thing of it is, the beginning of like the thing that's the most polished is the beginning of the story. Because every time I revise it, I always start at the beginning. And so it's just a natural byproduct that that the beginning's always going to be a lot more polished for me in that way and the ending is going to be the thing that takes the most time because it's, you know, the thing that trails and and is literally left for last. But I'm excited by it um, and things that were eluding me before now are starting to kind of come together and uh, whatnot. And, and the thing of it is, like, it's not a process that's arduous because I'm having difficulties with it. It's just I'm exploring, you know, it's a creative journey. I'm exploring all the possibilities, you know, the it's a trial and error. What does it look like from here? And what does it look like from here? And well, what if this happened? And does this have to happen? And what would that mean if it didn't? Or what if I threw in this? How would that, that make the characters react? And how would that change the rest of the plot? So, you know, it's it's, it's kind of been progressing in that way. And, and it's exciting. I know in many ways, I'm kind of like a broken record of the goal is to finish up by the end of the week. And, you know, that's certainly the goal. But if I'm being honest, that was a ambitious goal simply because of everything that I knew I had to tackle outside of my creative stuff, right? So, as you know, part of it was the website, which I mentioned, what became a short-term project, you know, one that I had been putting off for a while, but I was like, you know what, it doesn't take a lot to really do this, and the return on it is going to be great, so let me just go ahead and do that. So, you know, that's kind of what took priority number one. Then number two became uh, The Arbiters, which is the name of my project. But of course, you know, that's the priority list of stuff that I want to work on. Uh, ahead of that, actually, is all the other stuff that, you know, are just kind of like responsibilities. So, for example, I had a lot of in-person recordings last week. So that meant me leaving, driving, you know, getting there early enough to set up, staying for the recording, uh, then packing up and then going home and stuff like that. And so, you know, that's a lot more time consuming than let's say, you know, a Zoom recording that I can just kind of hop on, record, and then be done with, right? And then of course, with an in-person recording, I, have, I still have to get home, uh, take the audio, do everything that I need to do with it, like get it transcribed, send it off, blah, 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 right? So it all just kind of adds a couple hours to the day. Now, don't get me wrong, I do love those in-person recordings and, and it's fun because they don't happen that often for me. You know, luckily everything kind of that we've been doing is remote. But yeah, you know, uh, it, it's just... That's the reality of it, right? So I'm just kind of speaking in those terms, but it is fun. And so you have to, like I said, you just have to readjust your schedule to accommodate all those things that you do want to get done, right? And so unfortunately, because of that, that meant less time allocated towards my stuff. Um, but uh, the other thing that I also got to do last week was 
so the Recording Academy, aka the Grammys, they put on a lot of events throughout the year, actually, and they do a lot. They do a lot of festival coverages, and like you'd be amazed at how much the Recording Academy actually covers and does throughout the year, besides just the award show itself. And they have an LA chapter, and so I was hired to film an event that was basically music, technology, and, and indie artists, right? And how they can kind of thrive. And so, you know, I just filmed that entire event. And it really is a lot of fun because, especially for that, you know, I'm not surrounded by musicians on a day-to-day basis. And so it's great to see a different side of the entertainment industry, seeing kind of their passions and, you know, where their concerns lie, both good and bad. And also just be inspired by them, right? And what they're doing. And, and the, the event allowed itself for a lot of interaction that I got to be a part of. And the venue was amazing. So the footage really looked amazing, but I always have a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, for events such as this past one, there's a lot of like, mingling right so a meet and greet aspect to it and of course uh there's panels and things like that and so the panels end up being really informative and really fuel the discussions that are happening afterwards and i love that energy i love the the depth of conversation And just listening, right? As I said, this is, uh, obviously, I know musicians. And I've worked with musicians. But it's not on a daily basis in the grind of it all like I am with, let's say, editing or something like that, right? So it's just great to kind of have that connection. And one of the things um, that was brought up by one of the panelists was you got to go where the fishes are swimming, right? In terms of like networking, right? And that was certainly an event where the fish were swimming. And I think for any artist, it is important to have that sense of community. Now, I think sometimes we can overemphasize networking um, just for the sake of networking and just use it as as a means of not doing our work, right? But if, if, true to your word, you know, you're continuing to pursue your passions and things like that, then events like this are great and not and, and aren't detractive, right? They're additive. So, it was, yeah, it was just a lot of fun and I, I really do enjoy working with the Recording Academy and as I said, they do a lot of amazing stuff. So if you're a musician, you know, look into everything that they got. I don't, I don't know how it all works as far as membership for the LA chapter or any of those things. And, but, you know, they do do a lot. So check it out if you're curious and you're a musician. And it's not just LA, right? I call it, it's the LA chapter because that implies there's other chapters throughout the country. All right. Um, another big thing that I put time into last week was finishing up this workshop for the Financially Fit Foundation. So taking a step back, 
The Financially Fit Foundation is this nonprofit organization with an aim to educate people about finances, right? Uh, making them literate with money. And they do it in a unique sort of way that most people don't talk about. It's a more holistic approach, one that's also based on more of your value. So to align with how you want your money spent versus just having to spend it any willy-nilly which way. And it's a, it's a very holistic system. So I'm a board member on the, on the foundation. And really this year, we've made an effort and a point to just kind of up our game, right? We always want to grow in all things, right? And so it's no different for the Financially Fit Foundation. And so as part of that, I've been you know, working on these seminars as videos. And you know, this has been a month's ongoing project, you know, because there's a lot of components to this. And finally, like we're we're at the finish line. You know, in fact, today I just submitted the final video um, for review. And if it if it passes, then this phase of it will be done. Now, obviously, there's going to be more to do and stuff like that. But at least like this major undertaking will be off of our plates, and and it will yield results for you know what we're trying to achieve, which is uh, which is really good. I'm I'm really excited for that. But um, you know, it did take a good amount of work, right? Like when I look back at this journey. Again, it's not fully complete, but I'm essentially just waiting either on a few minor notes or just a straight out, okay, this is approved. And even though it's like very second nature to me to be able to like pull off these things, when I take a step back, right, I, I really look at this and, and I'm wowed of, wow, this, this really was a big undertaking and we're near the end. So yeah, I think I think we just kind of when we're in the rat race of the daily, we tend to forget of how much we're capable of, right? There's that sort of adage, and you can apply different times to this, but like, you know, they say we overestimate what we can do in a day, but underestimate what we can do in a week. You can say say the same thing for weeks and months. So, you know, we overestimate what we can do in a week, but underestimate what we can do in a month. We overestimate what we can do in a month and underestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate or we overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in 10 years, right? And on and on we can go. So it really does apply to that. And when, when you look at it, and you know, not that it's time to like reflect back on the year just yet, but you know, has it gone the way it was scripted, <laughs> you know, or planned out? No, but a lot of things moved forward in the way that they needed to. A lot of stuff got reshuffled. And then a lot of exciting new stuff managed to come along. So that's been that's been really wonderful. Um, and speaking of kind of just growing in general, um, you know, I've really made it an emphasis to continue just upping my game. And so I've updated how I do my episodes, which I released an uh, episode about last week that you can check out. Uh, you know, it kind of highlights my content strategy and how I'm, you know, trying to really 
just bring more value and how I'm more focusing on how to be able to do that. And at the same time, that extends to, you know, things that I'm doing, hence why I'm updating my website, but I'm also updating even my Patreon page. So, you know, what's been fun is that, you know, because this past week has been a lot of start and stops, right, Um, where I don't necessarily have the time to, you know, just like allocate one hour totally undisrupted, like there's other stuff that constantly has been breaking it up, as I've been highlighting, you know, it's just been one of those weeks. But those small pockets of time, I was like, well, let me utilize that. And I have enough posts in Patreon that let me just kind of, you know, polish them up, right? So, you know, within a five-minute period, I could totally get through one or two. And I could update them. And why not? Make them look cleaner. Make them be more concise. uh, Have more information. That is more beneficial, right? All that good stuff. So as I mentioned earlier, if that's of interest, patreon.com slash philsvtech. And, um, you know, I did, it's the start of October. I did set a date for the October group coaching session for this month. So that's, that's there too. Um, all you have to do is sign up and you get one of those every month in addition to all the other stuff that's there. The other aspect of it of life and, and, you know, time has been continuing to work with my foster. Um, she's a German shepherd mix, about 50 pounds, and I'm trying to find her a forever home, you know? And, uh, so there was a lovely couple in San Diego where, uh, the foster spent, uh, weekends there and they really took a liking to her. It's just unfortunate, like their schedules aren't uh, in, a posi- in, a, in a position to allow for a dog at the moment. I mean, literally, so uh, the woman, she commutes to San Francisco. So from San Diego to San Francisco, uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? And so there's a lot going on in their lives, and she thought she could finally relocate to San Diego, and that would make their whole lives easier, and that would allow for a dog, but... Um, it's just not the case. And, you know, they were really torn about it because they, they really love, uh, her name is Diamond, so they, they love her. And, you know, they said, like, hey, if she's still with you, you know, in the next few months and, we're, and we get settled in, like, we would love to still be in the running. And I said, of course, you know, and, um, you know, so we'll see. My goal is obviously to find her a good forever home sooner rather than later, but they remain a, 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 an option, you know. But the thing of it is, you know, as I look on it, A, I'm very grateful for their honesty and, and so forth because, you know, there's been other past situations that weren't so good and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I really like when I meet good, genuine people. But the thing of it is, in addition to, you know, that, and training her, it's this continuous nebulous thing of, well, how do I promote her? And I really feel like as far as me, I've like reached out to my entire network of people and and exhausted all those possibilities. Like, the, you know, in, in until like the web of it all spreads further and further, 
it's like, I don't know how to promote her differently, right? Um, and I could sit here and go down the list of like everything already, all the websites that I've posted, uh, you know, the Facebook groups, the this and that, um, you know, the people, the emails. I mean, I'm literally at the stage where I'm like DMing celebs who I know that love dogs, who I don't even know, but I'm just like, hey, I know this is a long shot, but could you, you know, just help promote in some sort of way? So, yeah, in that sense, it's not frustrating, but it's just, it's, it's exhausting, right? Because in a lot of ways, the way I move or move, maneuver about with my creative stuff, I do it in such a way that even if everyone else tells me no, I'll still make the thing. Whereas, unless there's something I'm omitting here, that doesn't apply in this instance, right? By the way, I've linked to you know her video if you're curious to learn more about her. Uh, it's in the description box and if you want to help promote and tell other people to help promote, truly it would mean a lot and would go a long way. So, yeah, there's that. Um, the other thing that was not necessary for me to do by any stretch of the imagination, but my friend Dmitry Panos, who is a movie lover like me, he's a, uh, he's a film critic. Uh, you know, him and I have done shows in the past. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a film critic, but... Um, we've done movie discussion shows in the past. He invited me to a screening of Suzume. So it was a four-year consideration screening done by Sony. And a four-year consideration is literally just invite these critics or these uh, voters in anticipation of the awards season. So, you know, the Oscars, of course, SAG Awards, um, you know, Golden Globes all that stuff that you can kind of imagine. And it is a little bit early to be doing them in September, but, you know, Sony decided that it was worthwhile. And Suzume is this amazing anime film that came out earlier in the year in theaters, and I'd literally seen three times prior to this. And so when I say I didn't need to do this, I did not need to do this. But... It is a, I mean, as of right now, it still stands as my number one movie of the year. It's just that beautiful. And I, I don't know why, but people, when they say, you know, is it an animated movie, they get turned off as if it's some sort of pejorative. And to me, you can do so much with animation. And to describe even the plot of this movie, I mean, in essence, it's about a high school girl who gets whisked away on this adventure. Um, And it's just amazing, right? And the less you know about it, the better. Like, I didn't know anything going into it. Whereas, you know, when we got there, Dimitri had never seen this movie. And so part of why I did go was because I wanted to see him experience the movie for the very first time. You know, I brought other people to see see it for the first time and it's always been an enjoyable experience like the first time I saw it I was with my friend Sarah Stratton who's someone I collaborate with often Khalil Abdurrahim who's you know one of my 
best friends that we do so much stuff together and Marissa Serafini, who I do a lot of stuff with and you know, we do our monthly book club and stuff like that. So that was like our little group. We're all friends together and we saw it for the first time and we're just wowed. And then I took my friend Jeff Graham, who's a director and, you know, it's outside of his normal genre and he loved it. And then I took my friends, uh, Lauren LaGrasso and her boyfriend, Timby, uh, and they absolutely loved it. So it's just always great to share that with somebody. And I knew this is not Dimitri's normal cup of tea either. And he was wowed by it as well, right? It's a two-hour movie, but it's amazing. It's gorgeous. Like, I'm just in awe of what they can do with animation nowadays. And so it really was special. And, you know, part part of the whole experience is that there's a, not necessarily a wine and dine element to it, because they're, they're not the ones whining and dining you. They just kind of let you be there and just mix and mingle. They provide, you know, food and drinks and things of that nature, the funny part for me was like I was more interested in the artwork. Like they, they really did a beautiful thing. Um, there's a, a door that, that that's a main aspect of the movie, and so they had like this wooden door there. Uh, keys are a big component of the movie, so every table had keys on them from the movie, and then they had uh, these blown up gorgeous screenshots of the movie. And I asked, you know, the people putting on. I was like what are you guys doing with those after? Like, we're going to need them for other events. And I was like, oh, shoot. Because I would have, like, if I could have just taken one home, oh, man, it would have been amazing. Because they really are, like, paintings. You know, each one of them just looks so gorgeous. Uh, and unfortunately, like, there's no Blu-ray release date yet for the U.S., you know, because I, I did ask them that, too. I, I felt like I was, like, this annoying person. I was like, hey, uh, when's the movie come out on Blu-ray? Like, I would love to, you know. But Dimitri loved it. Um, it seemed like the other people that were part of the screening, they enjoyed it. And it was just good to do something different. I mean, I know I watch movies, but, like, to go to the Sony lot and go into the Sony screening room and just, you know, see that aspect of everything, you know, it's, I don't get to do that every day, so it it was a really good experience for me, Um, I really enjoyed it. So, that's kind of, uh, you know, all the other stuff uh, that's kind of been happening. Um, The other thing, like on Saturday, uh, I had for a long time been planning to see Tiesto. So if you're unfamiliar, Tiesto's a world-renowned DJ. And he was playing Los Angeles. And, you know, it was my friend Tony's birthday. So a while ago, I I said to him, like, hey, this is totally up your alley. Like, you want to go? You know, DJ Tiesto just, he puts on an amazing show. And so we had that scheduled for a while now. So that was another big thing that that uh, took up time, but in the best of ways. Like to see Tiesto live for the first time, you know, there's not a lot of people that like I have to see in concert, but Tiesto was on my bucket list. And in fact, like as far as like performers go, there was only two people on my list that I'd ever wanted to like need to see. And that was David Copperfield, the magician, and Tiesto. And so I'm proud to say that I've checked those off my bucket list. And the show was truly amazing. I also brought my friend Khalil, who I mentioned earlier. And he's not an EDM guy. And he was even able to get into the spirit of it and really appreciate, you know, what it is. Because I think 
sometimes if you go to a concert and you don't know the music, it can be a little bit difficult to fully integrate yourself into it. Whereas with like EDM music, there's just like a simplicity, especially what like when the DJ knows what he's doing and Tiesto obviously knows what he's doing. He knows how to get a crowd going. There was a guy on before him. So by the time we got there, let me, let me back up a little bit. We got there and um, we saw Annabelle England and we really liked her set. Then there was another DJ that came on after and for whatever reason, it just wasn't hitting with us in the same way that she hit, right? And, you know, so that, I was like, oh, is, you know, my, Khalil's like, is that Tiesto? I was like, no, 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 that's not Tiesto. Like, you can kind of tell, like, it's not that there wasn't a confidence to him, but just some, it's, it's like he wasn't reading the room, or certainly he wasn't reading us. Maybe other people, like, I know other people, like, enjoyed it somewhat, but it just it didn't have the same vibe. I don't know how to describe it. And then when Tiesto came on, like, the mood just instantly shifted. Now, part of that is, you know, what was interesting to, to, to observe, you know, you had the first kind of opening acts, and they're on this beautiful stage. But at the same time, you know, it's not what you normally see of a Tiesto concert. So you're like, okay, well, maybe they pared it down, and, you know, as long as I get to see Tiesto, it'll still be great. But I was kind of hoping to be there for the visual light show and everything. Like, that's just part of the experience. Well, before we came on, you know, there was like a 10-minute turnaround. And boy, did they, like, all of a sudden, you know, just shift things around. And it was a truly visual spectacle. The lights, the pyrotechnics, the music, like, just everything was hitting. And the mood shifted. Right. And it's not just because of all that stuff. Like, I, I think, you know, it's no different than if you add music to a video, it can be an insane crutch. Right. And it can make a very boring video all of a sudden seem very fun. Sure, that's an element where it elevates it. But it, you could tell, like, there's a difference between how Tiesto approached it and just what he's how he's able to connect with the audience. You know, that's what I was in awe of. And yeah, it was just a, a magical time, and I'm glad I'm glad that I went. So, looking ahead this coming week, you know, I'm gonna really focus on the website and try to get, if not complete, very damn near complete with it. And now that I'm done editing these big projects for the Financially Fit Foundation, I want to put together. Um, I want to utilize that time of editing to work on two videos that I've shelved for a long time. And one is kind of this sizzle about me that's really been shelved for a number of years. But now, especially, like I feel like I have a good number of, of things to really make it work. And then the other is this short film that I filmed back in October of last year and just I'm kind of near completion on like we're like 75% there 
But the thing that I kept telling myself was, I'm going to focus on the arbiters, and you know, once I get a script done of that, then I'll get to these other projects. And I just, you know, it's like for a short amount of time, I can get these done and you know, have them be in the world and be doing something, which is great. And at the same time, I can still work on the arbiters, right? It, it's one of those things, I'm at the phase right now where just going on walks with my foster dog and things like that allows ideas to permeate. And so in that sense, I could be working on it without having to be sitting in front of the computer typing away because it needs a little bit of that you know, push and pull, you know, sit there, uh, go, go away from it, marinate on those ideas type of uh, process. So it's okay if for the next you know, two, two to three weeks, um, I'm not as you know, right there on the keyboard as far as that film project goes. So you know, I'm lucky in that way where I get to set my own deadlines. Uh, and as my famous adage goes, like, as long as I'm making progress, with things and that's what really matters to me. So it's been wonderful. But by the way, uh, you know, as far as the arbiters go, I mentioned last week that I was trying to figure out this aspect of the movie where where the characters speak different languages. But, you know, the technology exists in their world that allows for instant translation. And I was trying to figure out, well, how, how would I film that? You know, because I want, I don't want to like ADR it. Um, and it's an animated movie. And so, you know, for that, most people are used to going in a booth. But I'm doing it a completely different way where I want to film it in live action with just people role playing on a stage that gets then translated into animation. Not like rotoscope, uh, not in that way 100% because we're not rotoscoping them. Uh, we're coming up with completely different characters and that way they can you know be cast like any person can be cast for whatever role as long as their voice and their performance matches you know that's what we're going for versus a physical appearance match so because of that you know it's like how do you film different people speaking different languages and and having it be translated essentially in real time as it's happening well the good news is I discovered that there's a AI solution called HeyGen, which creates like these deep fake videos, um, but it takes whatever video you feed it and it, you know, it deep fakes that into a translated video. So if I'm doing, if I'm speaking right now and I put this in, I could have the video make it look like I'm speech, speaking French, uh, Spanish, German, whatever, right? And it's really amazing. And it's only at its like kind of starting point as is AI. So by the time I get to filming my movie, this could be a really wonderful tool to utilize for that. Now, I understand that AI is a very triggering word for many people. You know, it has a lot of people that are pro-AI, a lot of people that are anti-AI. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I'm trying to listen to all perspectives things like that. Certainly there are legal aspects to it all that will need to be addressed. But I think on a fundamental level, why I'm okay with AI from a creative standpoint 
is the fact that, number one, all art incorporates other aspects. It just does. We're all inspired by things, whether consciously or unconsciously. And, you know, to the point that we even often, like, look for Easter eggs or we call them homages in movies of, like, oh, this was, this is so similar to this. Um, in fact, Christopher Nolan, you know, obviously a world-famous storyteller, filmmaker, he takes shit all the time, freely. Like, the Prestige, one of his earlier films, is actually based on a book. A fact that, for the most part, was pretty well hidden by design. Or Inception, a movie that I love, is a pared-down version of the, the anime film Paprika, which I didn't know about until I saw Paprika, and I was like, whoa, this is insane. Like, this is actually better than Inception. You know? Uh, like... Just watch Paprika and then be amazed like, oh, wow, this is this is Inception. Like, Inception just took this and, yeah, changed it up a little bit, but there's, there's entire sequences that are quite similar. So to have something be completely unique just on its surface, it, 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 I don't buy into it, right? And so for me, AI really is a tool. As an artist, and I'm able to utilize it because I know the fundamentals. I think a lot of people see it as a way to be lazy, frankly. And it's like, oh, you know, if I don't know how to write, well, it'll just it'll just do that for me. It's like, no, you st- and if I'm utilizing, which I I don't use AI to to write scripts or anything like that, but let's say I did. You still have to know the fundamentals of screenwriting to know what makes a good story and what what makes a bad story. And then, of course, the prose writing and stuff like that. Because if you don't, you're just letting the tail wag the dog, quite frankly. So, you know, uh, I mean, there's a lot to be discussed about AI and said about AI. But just on a fundamental, like, ethical level to say that, you know, AI borrows from other works of art, whereas other whereas artists don't, is just asinine and incorrect, fundamentally. So, the other thing, I, I wanted to touch upon sort of two other things before I wrap out, and uh, they're just kind of musings of my own, uh, so, you know, if you wish to tune out, by all means, go right ahead, but... Uh, something that I just wanted to share, uh, one pertaining to the entertainment industry, one pertaining to kind of our country at large. Uh, and so the first one, with the WGA basically reaching an agreement, there's a component to it about streaming data transparency. And within the definition of that deal point, they use the, the word confidentiality, as in you know, subject to a confidentiality agreement, which makes it very counterintuitive. So transparency, but confidential. And I, I, I understand why it's there. The studios are trying to protect this information, but I just disagree with it. Go transparent, full stop. Why are these companies trying to hide that data? Because... 
it's the unspoken secret that streaming is not a viable business. But let's kind of take a step back. TV ratings are public. Box office is public. These are publicly traded companies. Pretty much all of them that I'm aware of. So why not just, for those reasons alone, have the information be out there? And then furthermore, my point about it is, okay, so if streaming is not a viable business model, hiding that fact is not going to help anyone. Like, let's just, it's that old notion that the way to solve a problem is to first admit that there is a problem. So let's be transparent. Yes, everyone's going to all of a sudden, you know, it's going to suck and stock prices will go down and, and things like that. But hey, you can't just artificially prop this crap up. So let's really look under the hood and let's as a business fix it as opposed to trying to, you know, put band-aids on that stuff. Or not even band-aids, but just, you know, we're trying to put makeup over it to hide like these scabs or however you want to use an analogy for that. You're welcome to disagree with me on that. But I just will default to the world in general, in my opinion, is just much better off when, when there's less secrecy, right? I mean, you know, we know that people are paid more fairly when people know the wages of their coworkers. Like that's so, you know, the, and. I mean, people wouldn't try to hide stuff if there wasn't a motivation behind it. Let's just put it that way, right? And usually it's, not to say it's nefarious or like this conspiratorial aspect to it. It's just, you know, that sort of, it falls into that category of fake it till you make it type BS. So, the other aspect uh, that... I wanted to talk about, um, this is in regards to our politics. Uh, Last week, Dianne Feinstein passed away. And, you know, yes, she leaves behind an incredible legacy that should be honored and celebrated, praised, and so forth. However, two things can be true at once, and she should have never remained in office for as long as she did. I mean, you can even look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, in the same way. Like, at what point do you start to tarnish your legacy, right? It's like the the Dark Knight quote, you either uh, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And not that either of these people had to, like, die to be a hero. But once you've done your service, it's okay to step aside and let others Come in. And it's a very hard notion. You know, it's no different than like an athlete starting to be past their prime and think they can still produce the same out- output. You know, they, they really believe in it. And it's just sometimes really sad to watch an athlete who's past their prime still just going, thinking they are that they, they, they are on that same level as, you know, these younger guys. It's just not. Nah. So, you know, unfortunately, 
a lot of our government, there's a lot of old people. I'm not trying to be ages, I think, you know, um, but I think we have to look and examine at certain points where it's just not feasible and it's got like step aside and let somebody else in. You know, and th- this isn't partisan. You can look at Pelosi, you can look at McConnell, Biden, Trump, tons of other politicians. Like, they're old. And beyond the aspect of power that comes with these positions, it's one of the best retirement homes you can possibly imagine. You have all these aides where you don't have to lift a finger. Everything's done for you. And not only that, you're paid. Your health insurance is covered. And guess what? You have doctors right there, pretty much, ready to take care of you if something goes wrong. So, yeah, I understand from, a, from that perspective, selfishly, why people would want to hold on to those positions. But there's not a good reason, you know, this is government, this, this, this affects 300 million people. So, just something to think about, especially as we head towards election season. Thank you as always for taking time to tune in. Comment down below with any of your thoughts and opinions about any of the stuff that I shared or stuff you'd like me to talk about in the future. Happy to discuss all that with you. Um, do so in the comments section or hit me up on social media at philsvtech. Um, thank you as always. I truly do appreciate you and hope to see you next time.